Hi everyone, welcome back to a new video. I know I haven't uploaded in a while, but I've been spending a week with my family for Thanksgiving. My family lives seven hours away from me, so I had to do a drive in order to spend time with them for Thanksgiving. I have about four videos ready to go, and this is the first one. All of these stories are pretty disturbing, so you've been warned. As always, if you have a story of your own that you would like to share, you can send your story to southerncannibal.com. And if you happen to celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope it's a good one. All that being said, let's get into the stories. And remember to always stay hungry. Before I begin this story, I want to say that I've linked a news article in the description if you want to check the validity of this story. Anyways, let's continue. I'd like to start off by saying that this may not be your typical horror story, but reality is far more scarier than any monster we can imagine. I was working as a showgirl on the Las Vegas Strip at the time that this occurred. The agency I worked for required that we switch partners every shift. Being that I was new to the job, this meant that I had met all kinds of girls every time. This is where I met a girl named Denise. She was a petite girl with dark brown hair and an overall sweet girl. Fast forward to three weeks later, and I'm coming back to the studio after a late night shift with my partner for the night. We go to the back room where we usually get ready for our shifts. Think of a dressing room for an old burlesque movie. I spot someone sleeping on a large velvet couch in the dressing room. As I get closer, I realize it's Denise. I wake her up and I ask her what she was doing there, as she had not worked that day. She then proceeds to tell me that her no-good boyfriend kicked her out of the house. Mind you, this guy had no job and no intention of ever getting one. He was controlling, abusive, and just downright creepy. Looking at her face, I could tell she had been crying. She was much younger than me, and something just told me that I couldn't leave her there. Not like that. So I asked her to come back to my place so she wouldn't be alone. She agreed, and we headed back to mine. We get home to sleep, and the next morning I can hear her on the phone. She's on FaceTime with her boyfriend, Skylar, the creep. He's repeatedly asking for a location and demands she comes home immediately. The thing is, he had taken away her phone and she was using an old disconnected phone that was running off Wi-Fi and a texting app. He continues to call and gaslight her along with several texts ranging from calm to complete bad shit. She's trying to get an Uber, but he has her phone and he won't provide her with the code. I had offered to drive her several times, but she just refused each time. After some time, she then realizes she's not getting anywhere and agreed that I drop her off. I drop her off at the front of her apartment complex, and sure enough, he's waiting there. I wave to her and drive off, and I just go on with my life. A week and a half goes by, and I'm at work, chatting with one of the girls. I had then asked her about Denise since I hadn't seen her at work lately. Her face drained of color 
and what she said next still haunts me to this day. Apparently, Denise and her boyfriend had been having an argument. The usual, him accusing her of cheating. Denise ended up calling a girlfriend of hers, letting her know that things were getting heated. The girlfriend ends up letting her boyfriend know, and they decide to head over to Denise's apartment. When they get there, they go inside the apartment, where a confrontation then ensues. The friend's boyfriend begins to lecture Skylar about his mother being a victim of domestic violence, with a not-so-nice ending. This apparently sent Skylar into a rage. He then turned, went into the kitchen, where he grabbed a knife, and proceeded to stab the man right in front of Denise and the man's girlfriend. When the police showed up, they found him sitting outside, covered in blood. He just kept muttering how it was self-defense. I was in shock, and honestly mortified knowing I'd been so close to the presence of evil. I still can't believe this happened to this day. Once again, I've included a link to the article about the incident. So, to start things off, I'm a female, and I was 19 at the time of this story. This happened in my first real job. As the months went on, one of my coworkers, Sarah, told me that a guy named Chris thought I was cute. At this point in my life, I had never really had a boyfriend or any attractive or normal guy show much interest in me. I mean, besides going to proms or on group dates. So I was curious. I remember looking across the store and seeing him. He was super short and skinny, had green eyes and auburn hair. I immediately told my coworker that he wasn't my type and moved on. About a week later, he began to flirt with me and so I flirted back and that's when I fell for him. At first, he was really funny and we would always have banter back and forth. He was my first kiss. At the time, I told him I wasn't ready as I had thought in my head how and where I wanted to be but he kissed me anyway at midnight by my car. It wasn't anything like I'd imagined or wanted. It was awkward and rushed, and I felt kind of upset, but I got over it. Just a short while later, we were hiding in the back room at work and kissing. The rush of trying to be quick and not get caught by our boss was intoxicating and exciting. Having hickeys so everyone knew I was with him, actually being excited to go to work just to see him. Then, I began to notice the bad things. He would trip me while at work, kicking the back of my heels and make them bleed, ruining my shoes by stomping them, pushing me around and smacking me, ripping my hair out, ignoring me for hours and giving me the silent treatment so I'd beg for attention or then do things to make him talk to me. I justified it all as him just flirting and being rough, and that it was my fault he was acting this way. He then started telling me that I'm a stupid bitch, and that no one else would ever want me, and how I need to not wear so much makeup unless we're on a date, because I shouldn't be trying to look good for other men, and how I'm so lucky he gives me attention. Making me miss work shifts to drive him and his friends around. Lying to my parents about where I was and who I was with and I always did anything he wanted to do, no matter the cost to me. I was really blinded by what I thought love was for him. I thought this was all normal, 
I didn't know any different, and since he wasn't Mormon, I couldn't tell my parents I was even with him. It was a secret that I kept. One time we were in my car at night, in the backseat messing around. I told him to stop, and he ignored me. I felt so disgusted and sad, so I ended up seeing someone else, and he found out, and we had a big scrimming match in our break room at work. Him telling me I'm a slut, and me shouting he's just mad because I didn't have sex with him and did with someone else. All of our coworkers were sitting there eating while shocked, and I had no shame. I wanted him and everyone to know I hated him. After that, I ended up moving on and I found a new job, as I no longer wanted to see or talk with him. I had messaged him on Snapchat, and he coasted me into saying that I loved him. He then screenshot it and blocked me. I felt heartbroken and devastated. Well, five months later, he messaged me on Facebook out of the blue asking for a ride. I saw the message pop up, and I felt a rush of panic yet surprised that his name was on my screen. I chose to ignore him, which was so hard for me, as I began blocking and unblocking him and looking at his page and hoping he would reach out but I stayed strong and ignored him. I felt good about it, and I was really proud of myself. It took so much willpower to not message him back. I then told my friends about Chris and how he was so abusive to me. A lot of the people I told didn't believe me, and they said I just wanted attention and how he was a really nice guy. Then one day I saw a news article saying that my ex was going to jail for attempted murder. He actually tried to kill someone by stabbing them and leaving them for dead. Thank God the person survived, but I was shocked. I felt a wave of evil come over me, yet calm. I cried, and I was so thankful I ignored his message. I also found out that the time that he messaged me, he was actually on the run from the police. If I had helped him out, I could have gotten in trouble as well. I ended up sending the article to all the people that didn't believe that he hurt me. As soon as they read my message, I blocked them. Unfortunately, he only got two years for good behavior, and he's free now. It's honestly bullshit how you can try and kill someone and then get off that easily when people do drugs and get more time. When I found out he was being released, I was terrified. I'm very grateful though that I now have my husband who's there to protect me and keep me safe. I haven't seen my ex around town at all, and from what I've heard, he's now married and having a baby. I can't help but be mad though that he's living a happy life now after ruining mine. I really struggle every day with depression and guilt over him and all of the evil he brought upon me, taking away my innocence and the good view of the world and the people in it. It just goes to show that you can never really be too careful and to always trust your gut. It just might actually save you someday. My name is Emma, and this happened to me three years ago. I would like to share my story here so that I can help others out there through similar situations. Nobody should ever go through a traumatic experience like I did. I had remembered this friend of mine. He had emotional issues. I avoided him ever since his dark side became apparent. He was a terrible person to be around. 
I still harbor those terrible memories, and it really did ruin my psyche. Even though this happened to me three years ago, I could still remember it like it was yesterday. It all began with a friend of mine. Let's call him Andrew. He was a member of our small protestant church. I can describe him as an extremely quiet, almost taciturn young man. He always constantly avoided eye contact with everyone. He also had a weird habit of hanging his head down and rubbing his fingers and hands as if he's doing nothing. He's also a few years older than me. I think around 25. I was 20 at this time. But the weird thing about his age is he really doesn't even look 25 years old. He looks more like 18 due to his baby face appearance. As an affable type of girl, I befriended him in spite of him being socially awkward. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're all thinking. Stranger danger, that kind of thing. But he really did seem harmless like he wouldn't hurt a fly. I was completely wrong though. One day, as I was sitting on a concrete bench on campus waiting for my next class, I had then noticed him limping past me. I assumed that he was just headed to his class. I called out to him. Hey, Andrew, come here. I want to talk to you. He turned his head to mine, and he sheepishly grinned to me, giving me this awkward stare. As I was about to speak to him, I then noticed his face was sweating profusely and getting pale as if he was having an anxiety attack. I was really taken aback. Um, that's odd, I thought to myself. I'm kind of in a rush. I have to get going. He stammered as he limped across the hallway. I usually saw him in that awkward gait. He always walks with his right foot inverted into the right direction, making him really awkward to move. When he limps in a crowd on the campus, He would hang his head down, and when he does lift his head, it seems as if it's going to tilt on the left or right direction, as if his head is too heavy or his neck is weak or something. His rounded shoulders seemed weird too, as if one of his shoulders seemed like he was going to lean on something. He would slouch. Don't get me wrong, I'm not being rude here, I'm just describing him. Every time I would see him on campus, he appeared as if he was terrified of something. I would often see him walking alone. He also had this really somber expression on his face. And on other days, he would have this... You know when you try to pinch a child, and that child starts to give you those eyes and they're about to cry? Well, that was the expression he had on his face when he was roaming the campus. Every day he went to the campus where his classmates or schoolmates would constantly taunt him and jeer at him about his bizarre behavior. One day the bullying began to escalate on him, and I actually heard rumors from one of his classmates saying that he tried to take his own life, apparently trying to jump off a balcony from a really tall building on the campus. Luckily, one of his classmates stopped him. Whenever we would have Bible studies, where we would tell our personal experiences or our struggles with our faith, he would always grumble about how miserable his student life is. One night he talked about killing all of those who constantly bullied him by ruthlessly dismembering their bodies drenched in their own blood. We were absolutely appalled to hear him say that. As the dreaded silence fell upon us, 
we all tried our best to hide our terrified reactions. Of course, we didn't want to offend him, and that would only antagonize him further. So, we were all walking on eggshells around him. No disrespect to the one I'm referring to, but the irony of attending a Bible study in that kind of disposition, please do not let your hypocrisy make a fool out of yourself. As the days go by, I gave him emotional support. I felt pity for his misfortune. He had my cell number, and we were even friends on Facebook. Whenever I would come across him on campus, I would talk to him, talking about random things, etc., just to cheer him up. But to be honest, I didn't feel any affection to him. I'm not picky or anything, but he's definitely not my type. As our friendship progressed, Andrew kept on asking me really personal questions. He also had cell numbers for my friends in our church. These are the days where he kept sending messages to me and my friends. His messages were very creepy. They were mostly consisting of him venting out his frustrations and all of his bitterness in his life. Some of them were morbid poems about how he wanted to take his own life. There were also a few other morbid poems about graphic description of how he tortured, brutalized, and murdered those who mistreated him. It was pretty disturbing, but we just kept on ignoring his messages. Another afternoon, when me and my friends were having a chat in our friend group on Messenger, all of a sudden he sends multiple pictures of Christian proverbs. But we just talked it off to him being weird, since there's actually nothing sinister about it. Just kind of odd in a seemingly harmless way. There was also one of these nights that whenever he was upset about something, he would send those macabre messages to me and my friends. Eventually, we began to feel very apprehensive about him. All of my friends immediately deleted and blocked his number. To make matters worse, on one occasion, in a group chat on Messenger, Andrew had a quarrel with one of my friends. We'll call her Lila. It was really unsettling. We have absolutely no clue on why he was acting like this. We didn't even know of who he was actually referring to. He just belligerently began to rant in the group chat like a deranged madman. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what their conversations in the group chat were. Andrew began to rant. Bloody hell, bloody hell. I'm getting so sick of this damn life. Every single day you damn pigs torment me. I hope you all die and burn in hell. You're all spiteful, inconsiderate, biased, and superficial slandering snakes. Oh, how I feel the heat of animosity that I bear towards all of you. How could you? You pit of infernal slithering serpents. You arrogant swines. I'm going to kill all of you. There's no words to describe the anger and frustration I'm feeling right now. You're all like a cancer to my health. You make me ill. The toxicity of your spite rips away my dignity. My apologies. May God have mercy on us all. Hey, um, are you okay, Andrew? Layla asked, bemused. No, I'm not okay. I'm infuriated, Layla. He snapped. Okay, okay, I'm just asking. Don't be too grouchy. Layla retorted. Don't be mad, Layla. I'm just frustrated, is all. He said, I'm not mad, I'm just asking if you're fine, she replied. 
After that, Andrew went berserk, and he mistook Layla's remark as an insult. Because of his seething resentment, he belligerently sends multiple angry emojis and stickers in the group chat. Red flags were screaming inside our heads. We all just thought to ourselves, is he insane or what? Me and all my friends then quickly left the group chat. After that ordeal, the minister removed him from our chat group. That's how unpredictable he could be. We decided to avoid him ever since, but he still kept talking to us. Needless to say, we had no choice but to tolerate him. One day, I received several messages from him. There were at least a hundred messages. His messages ranged from seemingly harmless questions like, Hey, how are you? To more alarming ones, like, Are you alone? Where are you? Lord only knows. Lord only knows. I know you're lying to me. You're a hypocrite, you know that? You're the only one who understands me. I love you. I know what you're thinking. Talk to me, white girl. You know I can do this all day. The rest of his messages were creepy poems about how he vividly describes my beauty and on how he develops such an infatuation about it. My stomach dropped as I was reading them. The vile feeling of being violated suffocated me. Revolted, I replied back to him with the most abusive remarks that I could think of. It took him a while to answer until he finally apologized. Needless to say, I just simply ignored his message. Then, Andrew began calling me every single day. I was constantly receiving multiple messages, missed calls, and chat messages from him, all of it just pleading and begging for him to be friends with me again. Now, I was starting to panic to the point that I actually broke out into tears. I immediately blocked his number and on Messenger. A few weeks passed with no harassment. However, on one afternoon, I felt really guilty because after that whole ordeal, one of my friends told me then he was apparently getting seriously ill only because of me not responding to his messages. Apparently his life was in a downward spiral as he was battling deep depression. Because of his declining physical and mental health, he was getting terribly thin, deprived of sleep with dark circles under his sunken eyes accentuating his gaunt features. And then to make matters worse, he constantly contemplated on taking his own life and that that would be the only option to escape his agony. I took pity on him as I was then forced to swallow my pride. I tried to think of nicer things to say to him. I managed to message him saying, Hey, so what if you kill yourself? Why would you constantly harass me when you obviously know that I had a boyfriend? I'm not the reason you're deeply depressed. You're the only one causing that. You know what? You really need to stop tormenting yourself. Once I sent my message to him, I waited for him to reply. I waited for a few minutes until those minutes turned to hours and I didn't receive his reply. Until it suddenly dawned on me then he wouldn't even bother to respond. That dawning realization exasperated me. I bitterly thought to myself, Whatever. I'm not going to waste any more time with this pathetic neurotic sicko. Get lost. Get a life, you loser. Then there was this one night that he called me again out of the blue. What is your problem? 
I said sharply as I finally answered his call. He wouldn't answer, but I could hear him breathing on the other end. Realizing that he wouldn't say anything, I said, Alright, I asked you, and you wouldn't say anything. And I then hung up. One Sunday night, when we were at the church, as we were preparing for the sermon, he kept on approaching me and asking if he could talk to me, but I just kept ignoring him. Moments later, as I was teaching the children about the gospel in the balcony, I then noticed that I'd received a direct message from him saying, Can I please talk to you after the sermon? I begrudgingly replied to him, What is it now, Andrew? Fast forward after the sermon, and I confronted him. What is it now, Andrew? What is it? I said to him sharply, as I stared right into his timid gaze. He was very clearly intimidated by me, since he was only about 5'1", and I was towering over him. I'm 5'4", and I was wearing heels at the moment, making me 5'6". My voice was so loud that it had actually caught the attention of onlookers, including the concierge. He sheepishly asked if I was talking behind his back. I truly don't want to be confrontational, but he's already starting to irritate me. I began to insult him, but he wouldn't even respond. He just silently stood there. Unable to conceal his shame, he just simply hung his head. After that, one of our friends offered to drive us home. I was sitting in the passenger seat with my male friend, while Andrew was in the back seat with my other friends. Once we finally arrived at Andrew's house, he said his goodbyes to us, and he climbed down the SUV as he vigorously slammed the door shut. It was so loud that I actually felt my head shake. There was another Sunday night, and again, I'm in the balcony teaching the children. I looked over the railings and below, where I often saw Andrew exiting from one of the rooms in the lobby, apparently searching for me. After the sermon ended, he then approached me once again, saying he wanted to talk to me. I curtly told him, Not now, maybe next time. After that, I quickly exited the hotel and trotted across to the other side of the street. He just kept following me, saying, Emma, wait, I really need to talk to you, please. But I just kept on ignoring him. I was now sitting with my boyfriend under a tree when this loser kept on badgering my boyfriend into letting him talk to me. Realizing just how pathetic he is, I actually agreed. I just wanted this to get over with. He then began to rant to me. What the hell is your problem with me, Emma? Why the hell do you hate me? Because I'm losing my damn mind. How could you? So what? I don't care. I bluntly told him. My rude remark must have really provoked him because he was now screaming at the top of his lungs at me. I'm getting so tired of all your bullshit, you damn hypocrite. You phony. You liar. He lashed out at me. This is so unbelievable. I've never been so insulted in my life. Okay, I guess, if that's what you see in me. I said, extremely startled, in a quivering voice, as tears started to well up in my eyes. Our quarrel drew the attention of onlookers in the coastal park. I was truly mortified. This ends now, I angrily told him. Once Andrew left us, my boyfriend consoled me as a cry of anguish burst out of my lips. 
Another night, he would then glare at me the entire sermon. I could feel a sinister gaze boring into my back. When eventually the sermon had finished, I chatted for a while with my friends, and after that, I decided to head back home. I first asked one of my male friends if he could drive me home, which he agreed. As I was about to get to my friend's motorcycle, Andrew suddenly stood up, screaming and pointing his finger at me, blaming me for what he thinks I'm doing to him. The rage in his eyes made my blood run cold. I was preparing myself to fight back, ready to lash out at him. I'm also well trained with martial arts, so I wouldn't have any trouble fighting him. Unfortunately for me, however, my friends started to physically restrain me with all the strength they could muster. Let go of me! I demanded them. You've totally ruined my night! I bitterly told him as my friends were still holding me. I was beginning to sob at this point. As my friends are starting to release me, I then insulted him by saying he's sick in the head. I didn't do anything wrong to you, Andrew. I whimpered as I added. After that, I went sobbing and wailing uncontrollably the whole drive home. I just kept on trying to forget it, but it just wouldn't leave my troubled mind. I spent my days bawling in my bedroom ever since that psycho tormented me. I was in constant emotional pain due to his emotional instability. After that night, I had asked all of my friends what happened to him. It turns out that all of my friends, including the pastor and minister, really tried their best to counsel Andrew. And of course, they warned him if he tried all of this again, he would be expelled from the church. Every time there was a Bible study, our minister decided to set up a separate schedule for the both of us. He can attend as long as I'm not present. However, there is one event in the church that he still requested to attend despite my presence. The minister pondered for a moment before then replying. He finally agreed, but on only one condition, as long as he doesn't approach me. Andrew was elated by this, and he assured the minister that he would be on his best behavior. I was so not happy about that especially with what happened that night. Remembering the torment I suffered from that pessimistic sociopath makes me ill. As the days would go by, we constantly avoided each other as if we never existed. I never want to talk to him again. It was truly the straw that broke the camel's back. Be very careful, folks, of who you befriend. Be vigilant. You really don't know if you're comforting a sociopath. And to you, Andrew, I really hope you find the help that you so desperately need.